630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Nolan Patrick scores 2-0-1 into overtime, giving the Philadelphia Flyers their seventh straight victory, knocking off the Edmonton Oilers 5-4. Edmonton winless in four. They settle for a single point this afternoon, 23-24 and four on the season. It's 2-0-2. Thanks a lot for joining us this afternoon. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse over time open line and Rob man the two different games going on here five on five the Oilers were very good for the most part maybe as good as they've been five on five in a long time their penalty killing well quite frankly blew the game the Flyers score four power play goals Philadelphia did not score five on five four power play goals and the three-on-three overtime winner. Yeah, there were so many positives you could take out of this hockey game if you're an Oiler player. I mean, five-on-five, they were very good. They they didn't have the rust you would expect. They rolled four lines. They had the three centermen's playing and carrying their own lines. I mean, all kinds of positives, but at the end of the day, if you don't kill penalties... Uh, you're not going to win hockey games, especially when you take silly penalties. And the Oilers, uh, they weren't uh, vicious uh, penalties that they they were intent they weren't intentional. But you got to keep track of your stick. And when you are already seeing that the the only offense that the Flyers are getting is by getting on the power play and scoring the power play goals, then you got to be a little more cautious. There's no reason to take a a penalty in the opposition's end trying to lift a stick. It just It's a silly penalty, and the Oilers did it too many times today, and it cost them. The Oilers did get a shorthanded goal. Philadelphia 4 for 5 on the power play. The Oilers uh, got the shorthanded goal. Edmonton 0 for 3 with its own man advantages. And, you know, Rob, we, it's, a, it's a cliche, but there's some truth to it. We'll, we'll get into the, the details of it. You know, good teams find a way to win. Struggling teams, bad teams find ways to lose. And, and I feel like today the Oilers found a way to lose. I mean, they overcame an early goal against on the first Mm -hmm. shot, played a pretty good first period, had a two-goal lead, had a one-goal lead going to the third. Cassian scores shorthanded to make it 4-2. Now, granted, there's still a lot of time left in the game, but you're thinking, oh, wow, that's that's a big one. The Flyers already had two power play goals. Cassian scores shorthanded, but what happens? Within 30 seconds, Flyers get it right back, so it's still then within a goal with a lot of time left. Well, well that when you talk about good teams find ways to win, I don't think the Philadelphia Flyers are a great team yet, but they're playing very good lately, and they found a way to win. You know, you give up a shorthanded goal, the way you combat that is you come on the, the, on the power plate that you're still on, come back and respond, and they did that. Uh, at the end of the day, and you can say it in 95% of the games that are played, the team that wins the specialty teams battle and has the better goaltender is going to win the hockey game. And tonight, specialty teams were, uh, Flyers were much better at it. And their goaltender, I thought Talbot made some huge saves, but Hart, Hart made some big ones. And he made some big timely saves. And you and I, at one point in the game, we said, when Tobias Reeder was stopped on a save by Hart, we said, remember that save. If the Flyers somehow can find a way to get a point in this game, it's going to be because of that save. So Hart made 
big saves at big moments. And their special teams, their goaltending was better than the others was today. Well, and that, and that stop was with the 2.20 left in the second period. What had happened was Giroux had scored a power play goal to cut the Oilers lead to 3-2 with 3.06 left in the second. And Leon Dreisaitl takes a shot on a rush, and it goes right to Toby Reeder, who... I thought did everything right. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't fool around with the puck. Fired it. I mean, sure you can sit here and say, well, he's got to lift it higher. But guys are just nope. trying to whap it in at that point. You, you, you got an open net. You shoot as hard as you can. It's simple as that. I mean, the goaltender, he, he's just guessing. I mean, he might guess higher. He might guess low. You shoot it on the ice, that it would have gone in. And then someone say, well, you can't shoot it on the ice. You just shoot it as hard as you can. Hit the open net. Uh, it was just an incredible save by Hart that gave the Flyers uh, an opportunity in this game to come back. And, uh, and it, it's too bad be, that the Oilers fell by one in the, in the overtime because it was a very entertaining hockey game that at the end of the night, you feel you got your money's worth as a fan, but you're upset because you feel a point slipped away somehow. Yeah, 5-4, the Oilers lose in overtime to the Philadelphia Flyers. Don't forget, they're right back at it tomorrow, visiting the Montreal Canadiens, 10.30 face-off show, noon start time here on 6.30, Chet. In in terms of the Oilers' penalty killing, Rob, what what did you see? Was there anything specific that led to the four Flyers' goals today, or how would you break it down? Well, they, they happen different ways. I mean, the, the one where the puck went back to Giroux at the point, he shoots from the point, it goes in. There was the backdoor tap in, I think it was Patrick scored the one in front of the net Simmons had, I I think the biggest one was the Flyers seemed to be outnumbering the Oilers in front of the Oilers net, you know when Patrick has the puck back door he's by himself, you you didn't see four Oilers in the picture when Simmons gets the puck in, in front of the net, again, he has an opportunity to get two whacks at the puck the Oilers didn't have the numbers they needed to have and they should because you should have four guys in front of your own net when the puck is there. And the Flyers, the opposition, should only have three. And the others were a little lax. And again, and we talked about it, and when you have opportunities to get the puck down, you got to make sure they're out. And I'd have to go back and watch them all, but I know two of those, the others could have well, got Benning the puck down. Well, rimmed one where he could have spun the other way yeah. and probably floated it down the ice. And, uh, th- yeah, in the third period, uh, there was a keep-in, a couple of keep-ins at the blue mm. line where they shot it into Flyers' bodies. So the penalty killing will be our adjustment of the game looking ahead for tomorrow's game in Montreal for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. And it's really interesting for, for the Flyers, and I, I had Dave Isaac, who covers them for the Philadelphia Courier-Post on our face-off show, Going into the game against Boston a couple of days ago, Philadelphia had the 31st power play in the NHL, dead last. They got two goals against Boston to jump up to 29th, and they get four today. So, I I mean, 48 hours ago, this was the worst power play in the NHL. They get six goals in two games. I I don't honestly know how they could be that bad because Giroux, to me, is top seven, eight best offensive players in the National Hockey League. Voracek is, is a tremendous player. They got Simmons for a net fr- front presence. Kachuri has turned into the player that everyone expected. Uh, Gostin Bear on the point, we've seen him be dominant in an offensive defenseman type of position. And I, I don't know how they couldn't have success, especially the way we saw it tonight. I mean, they scored all kinds of different ways. And what they have that the others don't, they do have a second power play unit. Right. I mean, they got some pretty good players they can put on their second unit to, to put the puck in the net. So uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, if they were in the Western Conference, would be 
battling for a playoff spot. Yep. Uh, unfortunately for them, they're in a, uh, the East where the East right now has got some strong teams, but they're making a push. And if their power play does get hot, who knows? But uh, it was a, a wasted opportunity to end. It's funny. We, we talk about the fact they got a point. The Oilers are very fortunate actually to get a point in this game. With eight seconds to go in the game, Talbot makes three yeah. huge saves. And then Patrick, who scored the game winner in overtime, wide open net with time and space and flip the puck over the open net. The Oilers are very, very fortunate that they did not only blow a two points, they could have, or sorry, not only blow one point, they could have possibly blown two because they had a very poor last 20 seconds. So the Oilers now with 50 points on the season at the moment. They are two points out of a playoff spot. It will be four by the end of the day. Colorado and Vancouver both have 52 points. They play each other. So basically, you're just hoping that game doesn't go to overtime. And in it's all regulation time. In honesty, you you want Vancouver to win that game. I I I love what Vancouver's done this year. I think Colorado's a better team and has a better opportunity to make the playoffs. So you hope for Vancouver. Although Vancouver has overachieved, maybe they'll overachieve the final 30 games. Five four, the Flyers beat the Oilers in overtime. Edmonton's goal scorers Ty Ratty got his third of the year. McDavid got his 30th on uh, an absolutely brilliant goal late in the first period. Adam Larson is second of the season. Both of his goals have come against the Flyers. Zach Cassian scored shorthanded his sixth of the year and also the Oilers' sixth shorthanded goal of the season. But they come up a little short. Let's go back to Philly. Here's head coach Ken Hitchcock. Flyers scoring off of goals on their power play. Get your thoughts on that? Well, you win it this time of year when you kill penalties. Power plays are are the gravy. If you don't kill penalties, it's a tough time of year. you got to be able to do it if you're going to win hockey games this in the last half of the season. And we haven't been able to do it for a little while. Not not to the level that you have to be if you're going to be good at it. And To me, two or three things. First of all, we took some stick fouls 200 feet from our net, reaching in, and that hurts. And then uh, the penalties, we were, we were playing a hell of a hockey game, and, and we gave them back the momentum. When you allow good players like that, they've got two units that are exceptional on the power play, and you allow them on the power play like that, that often, especially first game back in the third period she's tough to kill so you sort of lamenting the one that got away or happy that you got one despite everything no i mean the goalie was incredible in the last 30 seconds but this one uh, this one uh is unfortunate because we played a hell of a hockey game and to come back and play like this first game out of the break is impressive but uh you know, we're going to have to work on the discipline, especially on the stick fouls and put them on the power play in the third period. Did you find that uh, they got into the flow? I know you were saying you were kind of worried about the first period takes a bit of time, but what was your sense after such a long break, the way they started? No, I, we did good. We did good the whole game, but we allowed their best players on the ice far too often in the third period. That was the difference in the hockey game. You talked about that, having that playoff mentality where you have to shelve everything that happens. And yeah, we'll be ready to go tomorrow. All right, that's Ken Hitchcock after the Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime to the Philadelphia Flyers. And, Rob, coming out of the break, how are they going to play? Are they going to have energy? And plus, the Oilers team, the Oilers have not been a good starting first-period team. Well, we've talked not just this year, actually kind of recent history, but Mm -hmm. especially this year, and on that homestand where they lost all three games. And they haven't had a lot of shots. They haven't had a lot of zone time. They haven't done a lot of forechecking. So that's what's frustrating for me is a lot of the problems they have had 
they answered the bell on today and, and, and they still don't get two points of the game. Despite an early goal against, clearly the better team in the first period. Clearly better at keeping pucks alive. Clearly more short shots on goal. They get over 40 shots in a game for the first time since November 13th at Montreal. So they, they check off a lot of the concerns that you have and then something else comes up and bites them. Well, as we were saying earlier, there's a lot of positives that you can take out of this hockey game. Uh, They're not leaving Philadelphia um, with their heads down thinking, oh, you know what, we we played poorly, we struggled. There are so many things that they can feel good about and take into the game in Montreal. And they can feel going into Montreal, you know what, we went today, this has been a great road trip. But there's things that they can correct and need to correct. And Hitch talked about it right there, you can't take stick fouls. You're going to take aggressive penalties. And coach, coaches will never get mad at an aggressive penalty. And you'll not get mad at you if you take one that's stopping a scoring chance. But in the neutral zone, lifting it, trying to lift a guy, hitting him in the face, it's... it's it, not it, it's accidental, but you don't need to make that motion. And the one, uh, the one where Lucic gets a tripping penalty, as as Drew Ramonda said on 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 air, it may, takes one step towards the boards. He's blocked the, the the puck, and the player not being able to get to it. Instead, he doesn't move his feet and he sticks his stick out. Now. Uh, I think sometimes the player goes down easy. Sometimes you run up someone's arm, but don't put yourself in a position where the ref can make a call. And you don't certainly want to do it in a game where your penalty killing is struggling. So to me, the bad parts of this game were taking the silly penalties and the penalty killing. But you also got to look at the the third thing. And I know the hitch said they played a great game. They were outshot 20 to 9 over the last 23 minutes Mm -hmm. of this hockey game. They didn't close this game very yep. well. And I think that's something that is going to uh, bother the coaching staff because this is a game they had in hand. And we, we talked about Talbot gave up five goals in this hockey game. And Talbot played pretty good and made some huge saves. So also there are too many grade-A scoring chances against. Philadelphia is not a great hockey club, nine points out. You cannot give up that many chances to teams that don't dominate. When you start playing the good teams, they're going to capitalize even more. So 5-4, the Flyers take it in overtime. If it would have been Edmonton getting to 5, we would have turned on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer, Japanese Village, steak and seafood right at your table. Edmonton South, downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. And, yeah, both penalties taken by the Oilers in the third, both high-sticking penalties. And, you know, Cassians is at the other team's blue line. He's... He's not going to steal that puck. No, and, and he actually, if he just stay, keeps skating behind it, the flyer is going to skate into his own end because he's not going to turn up. He doesn't want to lose the puck in the neutral zone. So now Kaskin has done his job by force the flyers about 200, 200 feet from his own net. He allowed the Oilers to change. He did everything right if he just would have skated behind them. Instead, he gets over-aggressive with the stick, and he, he argued the call, but the stick hit the helmet of, I think it was Gostabare, in front of the referee. And all of a sudden, you're giving a free penalty. So instead of the Flyers having the puck in their own zone and the Oilers getting fresh men out there, the Flyers are now getting a face-off on a power play in the Oilers' offensive zone. So it was just a, a silly penalty at a very inopportune time. All right, you can get us at 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. A, lo- a lot of texts on the themes of uh, the line combinations today. I'm going to read the most entertaining one from Zeke. He says, hey, guys, am I hallucinating or did Hitch stick with the same lines for the entire game? 
I'm just as surprised as Zeke is. Um, but we, we did talk about it. You asked if he would change things up. I said as long as the, the game is, the Oilers are playing well, and as long as the Oilers are in the lead, he would stay with the same. Now, at the very end, uh, I was a little shocked. I saw the fourth line out there at certain times in the third period. Uh, it, I think Hitch wants to find some semblance of lines going forward. I just honestly don't know and I don't believe that three centers is the best way forward for the Edmonton Oilers unless they find some wingers to complement some of those centermen. There's some of the ice times today. McDavid plays 23-25, Dreisaitl at 21-56, Nugent Hopkins at 17-48. On the blue line, Nurse out there a lot, 29-24. Adam Larson, who I thought I thought Larson had a pretty good game, actually. He played 22-47. The only Oiler not to get a shot on goal tonight was Milan Lucic. He did have an assist. Uh, McDavid had five shots, four shots each for Dreisaitl and Nurse 50% in the face-off circle. The Flyers coming into this game, the best face-off team in the NHL at uh, a whopping 56.4%. That's almost 4% ahead of Toronto, the second best team. And, and you know what? That's another story. In the first period, the Oilers won 63% of the face-offs. And then as the game wore on, Flyers obviously claw back to even for the game, so they, they were just getting the puck way more. Well, the Flyers made a push, and the Oilers, what we've seen a lot with Clefbaum out of the lineup, they're not able to absorb the other team's push. One other funny stat in the game I said to you off air, the Philadelphia Flyers had three players on their team that weren't minus. They had 16 players minus in the hockey game, yet they won. 5-4 in overtime. Nolan Patrick got the winner for Philly. We'll get to Phil and James on the open line. When we get back, James is going to finish the play. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. We're coming back with more Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Dying seconds of regulation. Jack Michaels back from Hawaii and, of course, on his game with the call. The save of the game. Cam Talbot, courtesy Jiffy Lube. Get winter ready at jiffylubeservice.ca. Rob described that play a few minutes ago. Nolan Patrick, two whacks at it right in front. Lawton got, I don't think he got as much on the redirection as he wanted, but he got it through. And then Patrick trying to flip it over Talbot, flips it over everything and uh, up into the netting. So that helped the Oilers get a point, but that's all they get because Patrick then did score in overtime and Philadelphia takes it 5-4. So the Oilers winless in their last four at 0-3-1. They actually have uh, an okay road record, 11-11-3 on the season. It's really the, the home ice record that has them out of the playoffs to this point. Well, they're certainly going to need to improve both home and away if they want to make the playoffs. As you said, uh, with teams now in the Western Conference playing each other, there's going to be teams picking up points every day. So the others have got to find ways to get those points when they have the chance. All right, the goal scorers for Edmonton, uh, Raddy, McDavid, Cassian, and Larson. A goal and an assist each for McDavid and Cassian this afternoon. Okay, we have Phil on line one. Go ahead, Phil. Great, Rob. How's it going? Good. You know what? Really entertaining game. Um, Edmonton came out on fire should have won the game 
know why we didn't win the game? Special teams. Okay? Um, I want to make a comment about the broadcast, though. On the radio, the first period uh, seemed like the background noise. We could barely hear uh, um, Jack Michaels, but that kind of cleared up throughout the game. Okay, special teams. Uh, you know what? Earlier in the season here, 20 games or so ago, uh, Hitchcock, where our, our power play wasn't producing zero, he made a comment, we're going to have a practice and we're going to work on the power play. After that practice, the power play started kicking in. Again, we've got the same problem. Special teams not responding. No power play goals, and we get scored on when we're, when we're shorthanded. You know what? Who's in charge of special teams? Glenn Gullickson. Kick him in the keister or kick him to the curb? All right, well, that's, that's actually incorrect, Phil. Glenn Gullickson is not in charge of special teams because all the coaches work on the special teams. Yeah, and actually, the, the Oilers' power play moved the puck around well. They just un, were unlucky. They probably had some better scoring looks than, than the Flyers did, but they didn't capitalize on it. The penalty killing, though, has been a, it's been a sore spot for the Oilers, and it's not just this year. It's been for the last few years. It needs to be better, the penalty killing, if they want to have a chance. And tonight, their penalty killing let them down. All right, he scored a great goal this afternoon. He now has 30 on the season. Here's Oilers captain Connor McDavid. Oh. It should have been two. I guess it was one of those nights where you probably could have won this game a couple times over. Um, yeah, you know, the goal, it made some big saves, um, you know, when it was 3-1 and 3-2 and, and stuff like that in the second. And, you know, credit to him. And then credit to their power play. Their power play was uh, was outstanding all night and, you know, kept them in the game. How did you guys feel? I know you had, like, a late practice and then early <laughs> practice, and if that seemed to help, you guys came out of the box pretty well. Yeah, I thought so. Um, you know, we worked hard in those two days and, and got our legs going, um, you know, uh, these guys have been playing all week too, so you know, we kind of had to, as Hitch called, catch a moving train, and um, you know, I thought we did a good job of doing that. What's that? He's good. He yeah, made some big saves. I know it's not the way you want. Thirty goals, three seasons. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, you know, take it obviously, but you know, team points are more valuable. Is it good to have another one right away so there's no time to linger on this one? Yeah, you know, back-to-backs are, are uh, they're, they're good uh, when you lose the first one. Um, you know, they're also good when you win. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's good that we get to get back or get, get right back at it. All right, that's Connor McDavid. Rob, you've, you've alluded to this a few times this season. McDavid has made spectacular plays that maybe we haven't talked about as much as we should because the Oilers have lost the game. Well, let's not do that today. I mean, win or lose... An amazing goal by McDavid to get his 30th. It, it was, and it's funny because we see it so often that we get immune to it. But he had three players surrounding him, and he had them. And it wasn't they all just converged at the last second. He skated with them around him the entire way down the ice. And he, he, when you're a defender and you're going against McDavid, you think you have him. Okay, I'm beside him. He's not going to do this. Okay, I've I've got him closed, and he's unable to do that. Yet McDavid uses his speed to give himself a little bit of separation and then uses his strength. Like we saw time and time again today when he lifted guys' sticks and stole pucks from them. Well, on this one, the strength of keeping the guys away and then with three guys on him, able to get his shot off that quickly and put it where he wants. I mean, you're on the bench and you're the coach. Okay, I do not know if we could have played that any better. Like we had him, and he had a guy on three different sides of him, and he's still able to put the puck exactly where he wanted. Uh, it is a thing of beauty, and I thought Connor McDavid 
uh, was excellent today. Now there were there were some blips. The overtime goal, he can't turn his body away. He can't turn up the board. It was his guy that came in and scored the goal, but he was dancing and he was flying. And we talked about it. The fact that he got ten days of rest. No, he went to the All Star game, but that is not a stressful uh, type of right. hockey. That rest is going to do, do him a world of good because he's going to be taxed as this season goes on, as he has been as of late, but now he's got a little bit of energy, and it certainly showed today. What did you think of Raddy and Lucic with him? I like Raddy there. Um, I, I, I think plays still end on Milan's stick. I don't think he's a guy that uh, is good off of the rush. I think Milan Lucic is a, a player that can use his strengths from the ringette, ringette line or the tops of the circles down. Uh, McDavid's a guy that makes things happen on the rush. He can make things happen any at any time. Raddy has got the brains to play with Connor McDavid. He can think the game the same way uh, and keeps plays alive. I think Milan would be much better suited in a different role. Uh, but again, you've, if you're going to break him up and play with three different line, threat centermen, you, you're you're looking for you're grasping at who you can find to play with Connor McDavid. Tina texting into 630-630 saying, Hey, Rob, what does this say to the Oilers players that Talbot was the first goalie in net after the break, even though it was Koskinen who got the big contract extension? Uh, it's a good question because I was a little surprised. I mean, the first thing I came in when I said, we're going with Talbot tonight? Um, but what to me what it says is Hitchcock is going to play who he feels is going to give him the best chance. And there may have been pressure for him to put Koskinen in, if Peter Shirelli was still the general manager because Peter signed him. I know that everyone said we all were part of it, but that's Peter signing. Ken Hitchcock, he's got enough wins on his resume to say, you know what, I know how to win hockey games, and if I think Cam Talbot's going to be the guy that wins for me, I'm going to play him. Tomorrow we'll see Koskinen, and, and I honestly believe it'll now, with Shirelli gone, I think it's going to be a battle. Whichever goalie plays better is going to be the goalie that plays the next game. It's interesting, too, in seven decisions against Philadelphia in his career, Talbot's win, this was coming into today, Talbot's win-loss record was okay at 4-3, and three, but he had three shutouts and a 9.53 save percentage. I don't know how much, because some of those would have been with the Rangers, so I don't know how much that would have played into it for Hitch, but those are pretty good numbers. I, I bet you it does play into it. They got analytic guys that look at things and tell you, okay, here's who plays well here, who struggles here, and why not throw everything you can into it before you make a decision? Oilers not quite there today. They lose 5-4 in overtime to the Philadelphia Flyers, James and Carl up next in the batting order on the open line. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Dropped off, big shot, Sanheim missed the net, rebound off the boards, Van Reems like it front, big shot score, Nolan Patrick, Flyers win 5-4 in overtime. Unbelievable hockey game, unreal hockey game. That's how it ended this afternoon. Jack Michaels with the call here on 6.30. Ched, Patrick wins it for the Flyers. Edmonton had a 4-2 lead, couldn't hold it. The Flyers did not score a goal 5-on-5. They got four power play goals and then the 3-on-3 winner. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, hope you're having a great afternoon. It is 2.33, and we have James standing by. Hey, James. How you doing, boys? Pretty good. Yeah, so, uh, well, first I got a comment, and then I got a question. My comment uh, is also about the broadcast. Uh, I know we have the best player in the world, but I 
firmly believe that Jack Michaels is as good as he gets in terms of play-by-play. That guy, I get so excited for overtime, not only because the others are good, but I just, I, he's, he's, he's unreal. Uh, my question, I guess, is, and I've noticed this of the last few games, when the Oilers are in it, going into the third, I mean, maybe Rob will know he used to play, but they just seem to, I don't know if it's a conditioning problem, but they just seem to run out of gas. And tonight, or today, they rolled all the lines. It's not like McDavid was playing half the game or, or anything like that, but they just seem to kind of always, do you think that's more mentally they run out of them and just kind of go back on their heels, or do you just think they get tired and they can't win those battles? James, I'm just going to put you on hold, but don't hang up because you're going to finish the play, and Rob will answer here. I don't think it's a conditioning thing. I think the Oilers are well-conditioned. I think two reasons. One, the other teams make a push. And when they make the push, I don't think the Oilers, especially on the back end, have the horses to be able to withstand that push. I think you've got a number of players playing higher up in the lineup because of Clefbaum and Sacker not being there. You've got guys that are, you know, eighth or ninth defensemen who are playing in important times at the end of hockey games because the others have got the injuries or they're not as strong on the back end. So because of that, uh, when the push happens, they can't withstand it. And the second thing is I think the others sometimes and a lot of times are hoping to win the hockey game instead of trying to win the hockey game. And that comes from a lack of confidence. That comes from a team being uh, underperforming over what they were expecting expecting to happen this year so I think they're just hoping they're watching the clock hoping it'll tick down instead of pushing the pace and the team start to take it to them well that's what I wonder too and and we are going to finish the play with James they are better in the third period when they're tied or behind Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like if you if you have a if they have a lead they're not as good well when when you're tied or behind you're not thinking you're just playing when you're winning you're now you're hoping so I think when they start right. hoping is when they start making the mistakes and they start uh, throwing pucks away and just they start get their their hands get a little clenched. They're they, playing to kill the clock. Yes, yeah. As opposed to still making still making up. plays. Whereas if you're losing, you're pushing everything forward. So I mean, and the Oilers aren't the only team like that. A lot of teams in the National Hockey League, and we've seen some of the teams come through here that, that when they have a lead in the third period, they struggle. The good teams, the great teams, they get better. Yeah. Whether whether they're winning or losing, and, and you just have to look down the road. The Calgary Flames might be the best third third period team in the National Hockey League because they've got a swagger. They feel it doesn't matter what the score is, they're going to win a hockey game. I don't think the others are there. Yeah, and then if you look at the really great, I mean, maybe Tampa Bay is a bad example because they're so good this year. Yeah. But if, if some of the really great teams, okay, we're up three one after two, we're going to beat you six one. Absolutely, we're not we're not, we're not going to yep. be up three one and try to win three two. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to destroy you, right? And I mean. Where are the Oilers today? What was the score going into the third period? 3-2, and three. then they were up 4-2. They were up 4-2, so they were hoping to win 4-2, or maybe we'll win 4-3, yep. but we're not going to give up that other goal, where instead of going out, let's win 7-2. All right, we're going to finish the play with uh, James. We want to put your name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Karting. Safe adrenaline pumping fun, FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Left to right for the Flyers down three to one. Swatted away by Manning. Patrick was tripped up yep. by Lucic, and that will be a penalty at 10:29 of this second period. All right, James. There was only one power play that the Flyers did not score on today. Lucic took two penalties, uh, one in the second and one in the third. So, did they score on that power play? Uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Yes, they did. I still didn't hear you. They did score. 
You sure you want to go with sure that? That's your they answer. Did, I mean, oh, you can't hear me. They did not score. Yes, that's what I thought you meant to say. All right, <laughs> James is going here. That was the one. That was the one. The Oilers killed off. Good one uh, for Patrick to find that. The Oilers lose five four in overtime to the Flyers. So yeah, seven straight wins for the Flyers. Carter Hart has been in goal for six of them. Uh, incredible story, really. I mean, the, the Flyers, a number they've gone through, I think, seven goaltenders already this season. The two guys that were going to play for them for the year, both have been on long-term injury. Uh, they got this young kid, 20-year-old, come up, and uh, he's been rock solid. Uh, he's gaining confidence every time he steps out there. I listened to the interview earlier of him. I heard the, 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 the reporter from Philadelphia talking about he may be the, the strongest player in the dressing room mentally. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing when you got a, a team that's got a Giroux or a Voracek on it or a, or a Simmons, guys that have been around, veterans, and the players feed off that. And it, it and we saw that here in Edmonton when Connor McDavid came in. Everyone said, "Okay, he's the leader of the team," but really, who's going to follow this young kid? But when there's when you have a belief in somebody, age really is ir- irrelevant. And right now, you're seeing that in Philadelphia because they finally have got a goaltender that has given them the save that they need. So tomorrow's game between the Canadians and the Oilers will match up two teams coming off overtime losses as we go to the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals, daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Nico Heeshear, two goals, including the overtime winner. The Devils beat the Canadians 3-2, so Heeshear and Patrick won two in their draft year, and they get the overtime winners this afternoon. I believe Carl was uh, at the game today. You were at the game, Carl? Yes, I was. Uh, Robin Reed, uh, a couple of buttes. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to make a comment about Connor. I think Rob was talking about it, but uh, I like the fact that he got physical right out of the gates. I noticed that he uh, I had pretty good seats, so I was able to see him pace somebody <laughs> behind the net pretty early. And I loved the first half of the game. I thought, uh, you know, at one point, it, you know, Philadelphia's had a pretty tight schedule. They played a lot, so um, it was, uh, you know, I guess they maybe came out a little flat. But um, I have one more comment and then one question as well. And um, it was a special treat to see Zach Cassian get the shorty. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys about Lucic. Um, is she doing enough physically? And do you think part of Hitch's strategy is to have him planted in front of the net so that, um, you know, that kind of draws an extra defenseman and maybe frees up the spot for Connor? And, uh, Thanks again for taking my call. Good stuff, Carl. Um, if Milan Lucic is going to be effective for the others, he has to be physical. Uh, he's not the offensive player that he was before, uh, so they need him to do other things, and he can change the complexion of a game with his physicality. Uh, the reason, I'm honestly, I'm not a fan of him playing on Connor McDavid's wing. I don't think that plays into his strength or into Connor's strength. But if he is out there... Uh, the fact that he's got a big body and he can use that body to get in physically to get in front of the net, those are the attributes that would make him successful on that line. For me, it's the the plays dying on his stick. I don't think he, he handles the puck as well as you need to to play with Connor McDavid because you've got to get Connor the puck when he wants the puck at all times. And I'm not sure Milan can make those plays. I think there's other ways you can use Milan where it can be more effective. Well, the pass to Raddy 
was not picture perfect, but Ratty <laughs> did corral it and, and get a breakaway. I, I think, and we've I, I've called Lucic a, a loud player. Now, unfortunately, he hasn't had a lot of good games in the last year, but when he has a good game, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, you notice. Like, he's doing everything. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't get points, he's hitting, he's drawing penalties, he's irritating. When he tends to have an off game, it's not just like, oh, okay, there there are turnovers. There's pucks thrown in the middle. And and even today, there was that play with about three minutes left in regulation, tie game. Now, it was in the offensive zone, but he had two options, dump it behind the net or throw a blind pass. And, and Philly picked it off and got a bit of a rush on it. I think the Oilers squashed it. But that's the type of play where you're saying, okay, even if he's not getting the points, you want the veteran that's been in the situations he's been in to put the puck into a safe spot. Yeah, no, first go back to the pass to Raddy. Uh, he missed his target by five feet, six feet, because he hit him in the back of his skate when he was trying to hit a stick that was that sticks about three and a half feet in front of your body. So five, six feet, he missed the pass by. Now, great play by Raddy getting the puck up. But yeah, the, when the Oilers are struggling, when the Oilers are, are losing, is when they, they're making poor decisions with the puck. And Milan Lucic, the one he made late in the game, he has the puck at the blue line. And again, put the puck in the corner. You're keeping it, first of all, that's a great defensive play because you're keeping the puck 200 feet away from your own net. You're make, That's an offensive play because you're putting the puck in a corner where you can go in and forecheck. And we, we've seen how many turnovers happen. When you get the puck in the right spot in the corner, you get the speed, you get to get the physicality. Now you create the forecheck. But Milan throws a complete no-look backhand pass into the middle of the ice there's nothing good that can come out of that because even if there's a, a, an oiler there he's still at the blue line he's not scoring a goal and the bad things could happen you could turn it into a turnover or a breakaway going the other way so those are things that Milan needs to find a way to get out of his game because there are so many effective things he can do just play to your strength that's not Milan's strength 5-4 Philadelphia over Edmonton in overtime this afternoon Cam Talbot with 34 saves for Edmonton. Here he is. Must not be a great feeling. Nope. Nope. Um, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a frustrating way to, to lose a hockey game. We played so well 5-on-5, five five, just kept giving their power plays opportunity, and they kept making us pay. Our, uh, our penalty kill, uh, starting with me tonight, cost us a game. Maybe just expand on how well the team played overall 5-on-5. Overall, five on five, I think that might have been one of our better performances of the year. Um, you know, we're hunting pucks, we're getting pucks to the net. Um, you know, I just thought that, uh, you know, just need to be a little bit more careful with their sticks and not give their power play so many opportunities. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a pretty, there's a 15-second summary from, from Cam Talbot. Four for five, the Flyers were on the power play. Edmonton did score a shorthanded goal. But, and, and our last caller, Carl said it, who was at the game, he, like through the first 30 minutes... You would say like, "Oh, this is this is exactly how you want them. You want them to play." Okay, was was Philadelphia doing as much as they would have liked? Sure, of course, but you got to take advantage. But then the Oilers couldn't hang on, basically through the last about uh, 24 minutes of regulation. Yeah, the Flyers had a push, and you know it was coming. And the Oilers, we've seen them um, not be able to weather those storms over the course of the this last little while when they're starting to struggle is when the team picks it up a bit. And all teams have that in every game, there's always a, a spot where a team pushes. And if you can handle those push, you're going to have success. If you can't, then that team builds off it. And the push, instead of come one or two shifts in a row, it becomes five shifts, then it becomes 15, then it becomes a period. And the Philadelphia Flyers pushed in that third period and they dominated. And the Oilers are very fortunate because of three big saves by Talbot at the end to get a point in this game. 
All right, 780-496-0063. Brejean is on the line. Brejean, go ahead. Hey, Robert. How are you doing, guys? Pretty good. Thank you for taking my call. I'm calling from Montreal. Well, I mean, I'm oldest fan for 25 years. I, I just uh, I just want to give you my opinion regarding uh, this team, this organization. I mean, uh, let's, let's talk about goaltending. I, I think one of the biggest problems since Game 5 of Anaheim two years ago, this goalie cannot play anymore in my estimations. Look at guys. This, I mean, can't tell, but I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. After game five of the, what do you call it, with the Anaheims, he comes last year. Can anybody explain to me? First shot, 21 times at Menton Oilers of last year, first shot scores. This year, eight times. This is unbelievable. I just cannot believe how the goaltending in this level. Okay, but okay, no. but that that's not all on goaltending though. No, like tonight no, they gave up. No. Today they gave no. up the shot. The first shot of the game was a no. goal against today. It wasn't on no. Talbot. That's just a team Rob. that's not ready to start. Rob, you yeah. play behind some great goalies, Tom Barossa, Frank Pietrangelo. I remember that time. They give bad goals. Yeah. But the next save, there is a saying on hockey, in the in the basically in the power play, your best player is your goalie, and your worst player. Is a goalie. That's it. This is this is this is name of the games. Well, football. yeah, you're right. You're right when it comes to Cam Talbot, and I think the Oilers have made their decision. I mean, they signed Koskinen to an extension. I think, well, at season's end, I would expect that, if not sooner, yep. that Cam Talbot will be gone. So, yeah, it, it, good point by you, Rob. I, I want to tell you something. I remember when you play hockey. I remember that time, Rob. IQ, hockey IQ is very very important, especially nowadays. As you know, there is no. Uh, anymore, uh, rock and sock and hockey, there is no heating too much. But I just don't understand this defensive core of Edmonton Oilers. This last year, I don't think this is coaching. I, th- I think this is a lack of talent. Every good team, I'm not talking about basically the championship of Pittsburgh or Edmonton Oilers of, you know, dynasty. Nowadays, if you have 11 good players, this is, this is, this is a fact. You could see Tampa Bay, you could see a Pittsburgh of this year or other teams. If you have 11 good players, you can go all the way to the playoff or whatever uh, challenge for a Stanley Cup. Right now, the problem we have here, I, I live in Montreal. Look, at, you, you're going to see tomorrow. Montreal Canadian doesn't have nobody. They have some good wingers and good goalies. Last year, they didn't have good goalies. This year, they have good goalies. My point of view is, I don't understand. Even new GMs, I think this year is a washout. Even if they make a playoff, as you said, I really believe what Reed said. I hope, I hope they're going to go to playoff. But if they don't go to playoff, I'm not going to be disappointed. They need some kind of basically framework to come to bring some really, really hard to play. I'm not blaming the last management. Past is past. Okay? I think the GM, the CP was a good GM. Enough didn't work for Edmonton. I don't know. But my point is, I hope they're going to come with the frameworks to go after some players. Look, we signed two free agents. Are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This guy, Raiders, Raiders, whatever. He cannot score. No, he hasn't he scored cannot, all year. I just don't understand that. Yeah. F- flat out cannot. I mean, a hockey IQ is very important, as I said. I don't want to repeat myself. But I'm sorry. I'm suffering here. I pay 
huge money to the Rajas. I mean, I'm not, I don't care about the money. I watch here till 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I try to call you guys in the night. Every game I watch, I listen to you guys. I record it. I watch it. Next. I said, what's going on here? I, okay, 10 years of darkness. We thought, they have the two best players, top 22 best players. Why we are struggling? I just don't understand that. Yeah. I don't think it's a coaching. I think it's a draft. I think now, fortunately, we have a good good system in the minors. You know, but but I was just frustrated. We have some people here. I talk to them. Uh, they're all we hear you, Brejan. I got I got to wrap you up, buddy. But thanks for okay. calling in. Okay. And thanks for everybody. You take care. Thanks a lot, Rob. You know, some really good points there, yep. and I really like what he talked about. His well, hockey he, he, IQ. He didn't want to look back, but that's why Shirley got canned. Was because he he didn't have enough players. Like yeah. Todd McCullen is a very good coach. Ken Hitchcock is a very good coach. They they the Oilers bleed too many Grade A scoring chances, and that is not because of system play. That's because of players making poor decisions. So that all goes to hockey IQ. All right, Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime to the Flyers. We'll get Brian in before 3 o'clock. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Well, okay, I didn't, I didn't even think of this. <laughs> the face-off trivia question. Who is the Flyers' all-time leader in power play goals? It's not one of the four guys who scored today. Uh, it's Tim Kerr. Who was our winner again? Uh, it was Mike. Mike was the winner, so he goes into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card courtesy Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved, alpinecredits.ca. Uh, if you were listening, I completely botched this one because I accidentally gave Patrick the, the, the wrong answer. It makes it really hard for the contest really people. It really hard for the contest people. <laughs> but we got somebody in the draw. Tim Kerr had 144 power play goals in his I, career. I played against him a lot because we used to play Pittsburgh Phillies, used to play a lot, and he was a huge man that would stand in front of the net. You could not move him, and it did not matter where the puck was shot. He was able to get his stick on it, and when the rebounds came out, he got every rebound because he was just a monster. All right. Brian, you get the final call today, buddy. Go ahead. I don't know. I follow the Brijan. You know, he's quite passionate there. Very good call. I, I think what we have to do is we have to take. There, I really think there was a lot of positives to this game. Uh, yeah, we lost, but we got a point. That's better than what we did. What the last three, four games, we got four goals. We got a shorthanded goal. We got secondary scoring. Um, you know, as far as, you know, Talbot letting in four and on the power play, there's five guys in front of him. Or part, well, on the power play, there's four other guys that are allowing that shot to get through. Um, you know, I, I still think I've got full confidence in the Oilers. I think if they're playing an afternoon game, and we know what their histories are like with an afternoon game, if they play this good tomorrow uh, in Montreal, I think the last uh, 30 games of the season are going to be very, very interesting, and I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Brian, thanks for your call, Matt. Maybe talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Well, this was a tough result today. They get a point on the road. Like I said, they're going to be four out mm-hmm. by the end of the night, given the way other teams play. 
It's going to be tense. It uh, potentially could be up and down, but hopefully they stay in it. If they, if they do a lot of the things they did today, they'll hang around at the very least. Well, every game will be important. So there's going to be excitement here for the next little while, and that's something that we didn't have last year. All right, so Philly scores four power play goals. Nolan Patrick gets the three-on-three -three winner. McDavid a goal and an assist for Edmonton. 5-4 Philly in OT is the final. Edmonton's record now 23-24 and four on the season. We're back tomorrow at 10.30 in the morning with the face-off show. Oilers taking on the Canadians. The puck will drop at noon. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer. You can always get more on 630Ched.com. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Stay warm, stay safe on the roads. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Have a great afternoon. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.